Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. A challenging up message, but once again, everybody, Mr. Brad Stein, would you put your hands together one more time? Well, you know what? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Travis. I got to say, I was here, when, a couple of years ago maybe, was it? Do you remember when it was? A couple of years ago, uh, I thought that was probably the last time I'd ever see this place. And apparently he lost a bet, and I'm back. I must give you some information as to why I'm here this morning and then why I'll be here tonight because I have something that I have to tell you. I have something I have to say to you because it's kind of what I've been called to do by God and it wasn't something I was expecting. It wasn't something I was shooting for. It wasn't something I wanted to sign up for. This was something God decided on his own. (laughs) Just decided to make it up on the fly. God's kind of like that, kind of improvises. And sometimes things get so bad in a country that he has to resort to me. So I'm going to tell you my story because I have one, just like you have one, and everybody's stories matters, everybody's story is important, everybody's story is essential because you don't exist on earth unless you were meant to be here. You're not, there was lots of people that were competing for the womb, and you made it. Lots of people competing for the womb, but you succeeded because God had a plan for you. That's very real. That's very true. So I got something to tell you, and some of it's going to be maybe humorous, but some of it's going to be kind of hard and harsh and difficult to hear. And the reason I can say those things is because I've already been paid. (laughs) Cash the check, I'm out of here. There's nothing you can do. But I'm glad to be here. I love Idaho. I love Idaho for so, so, so many reasons. It is a beautiful state. It's really long and thin at the top. You had a good state going there. You said, let's just do that. I've been all through this great state. It's beautiful. It's it's nice. It's, it's, It's dusty. I will tell you that. But it's beautiful. I love it. I love coming here. I love seeing uh, all the different parts of America that I have been asked and willing to go see and grateful that I get to go see. So I love coming here, though. It's a special place, I had hoped, because as you can see, people still respond to and care about things that matter, that made this nation great, like the tradition of going to church. That's so crucial. You know, the founder said that this country, uh, this constitution was made only for a religious people. It actually said, the founders actually said, this country won't survive if the people aren't inherently religious. And of course, when he meant religion, of course, he was talking about Buddhism. <laughs> I'm, my bad. <laughs> he, was, he was into witchcraft. That's what he was into. No? 
Now, when the founding fathers said they need to be religious, gee, what religion do you think he was referencing in the 1700s in America? Which referencing religion do you think the founding fathers meant when they were referencing from the very lineage of the pilgrims who came here from England to get away from religious persecution so they could worship Jesus? Clearly, he was referencing New Age. I'm going to keep going until one of you explain what he was actually rep, because they're all like, are we supposed to answer? We don't know what to do. We're not used to this. He was a Christian. Now, yes, there was lots of different things we can talk about in, in regards to the founders' Christianity. That's not what I'm here to talk about. What I am here to talk about is the only battle you will ever face in your life that matters. It's the way that you're going to see life. It's the way you need to understand it as a Christian so you can conquer it. And that is this. This is going to be shocking to you. Your battle is not Democrats. Don't ask me how. They're not Republicans. Your battle is not atheists. Your battle isn't Muslims. Your battle isn't the left. The battle, the truth, the reality of how we see the world and what is really going on and how we are to negotiate it and be awakened warriors as Christians. Our battles are truth and lies. That's it. It's so simple. Christianity is so simple to understand, so difficult to do. And it's difficult to do because we're asked to be completely and utterly sacrificed ourselves to God. Our life, once we accept him, is no longer ours, period. Sounds great on paper. Sounds wonderful when we're speaking Christianese. Because we all got Christianese. We all have the proper way to speak as churchgoers. If you've been around the church, you know all the terminology. You know what you can say and what you can't say. You know what people can't accept, not accept. If you're new to the church, this is confusing for you. But it ain't about superficiality. And this is the hard lesson you're going to get today. It's why he only brings me in once every three years. <laughs> I, as am you, am responsible for my territory. That means my wife, my children, my home, my community, where I'm planted, where I live, where I have influence, that's my responsibility. I can come over here and help you guys. That's what the church has always done. We assisted each other and gave to each other and filled in spaces where maybe the other ones needed some assistance. That's a beautiful Christian idea. The entire new, new, new uh, original church, New Testament church, first century church, was built on Christians who had no option but to take care of each other. They had no option. They'd lost it all. They were Jews who no longer could go to temple. 
They didn't have their Jewish heritage because they were heretics because they believed Jesus was Messiah. So they'd lost that. Rome didn't want anything to do with them. They just wanted them to be quiet, pay their taxes, get out of the way. They had no state or governmental system that they could rely on to watch over them and protect them. They were on their own. They didn't complain. They didn't whine. They didn't look for assistance. They didn't look for handouts. They came together and took care of each other because that's how Christians are supposed to live. It happened naturally. Not communism. They weren't socialists. They came together and pooled their resources because, number one, they had no option. Number two, that's how Christians are supposed to live. Christianity is ridiculous in what it asks of us. It's absurd in what it asks of us. Let me give you an example. Love your enemy. I, did you say blow up my enemy? Shoot, shoot my enemy? Flee from my enemy? Don't have an enemy? Hate my enemy? Get rid of my enemy? Despise my enemy? Get on Facebook and mock my enemy? All those make sense. We have religions that are actually taught, kill your enemy. That religion takes itself seriously, so seriously as a matter of fact, that there is genocide about my people in Uganda. There's genocide in different parts of Africa. There is a, a destruction of my people, Christians, in Pakistan, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Iran, in China, in North Korea, in Myanmar, in India, and, and, and throughout the nation, in the world. My people are the number one religious persecuted people on earth. Because there's religions that teach, kill them. And you know what I'm told to do in response? Love, you stepped on my punchline, brother. <laughs> he is so good. He should be a pastor, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. As they hate you, love. You guys, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. It's unnatural. Our natural man defends himself. We even have just war theory, hundreds of years of church examining how and when Christians are allowed to engage in warfare in defense of the innocent, in defense of the, and to bring justice to those who don't have it, defend ourselves. We're not an offensive religion. We're not allowed to go create wars. And if we try to do one, we look like idiots, like crusades and so forth, where we do things that weren't God-derived, we, but we can be defensive which is what the founders did when they said, we will not go attack the British, but if they mean to have war and they fire first, we will respond. And because of that, we sit here today free. You know who they most uh, 
who the British were most fearful of, who they most despised during the Revolutionary War, they gave them a nickname. They called them the Black Robed Regiment. You know who they were? Pastors. See, back in those days, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no uh, Instagram, there was no whatever TikTok. I can't keep up with the ridiculousness that our kids think matter. They didn't have that. So the pastors were very specific about take, making sure that whatever was happening in the community at that time, they'd preach about in regards to how the Bible sees it. They were the Twitter. They were the Instagram. They were the email. So if there was, a, for example, and they had pastors, they wrote out their sermons, if you can imagine that. <laughs> they'd get their quill and their ink and their candle, and they'd write out their whole, what? These guys were but they had nothing else to do. No TV, right? Nothing else. Might as well just do this. But they have all their sermons. So they would see that there was an earthquake, for example, somewhere in Connecticut. So the pastor that weekend talked about earthquakes and what happens when natural disasters appear around us. And how does God see that? That was their job, to define the natural world as God sees it. So you could engage your people as a Christian because we have something nobody else has. The most dangerous idea and word that exists. The single most dangerous concept to the left. Truth. Truth shines light on darkness. Truth digs cancer out. Truth exposes the evil for the weak coward that it is. Truth brings justice. So let me get to where I was going, because it wasn't here. <laughs> Do you know why it wasn't here? Because I didn't know up to this second what I was going to say this morning. I literally didn't know what I was going to say. Why? <sighs> because God Almighty told me you were going to be a prophet to the church. I know. I didn't like it either. I was born in Bremen, Indiana, a tiny little two-stoplight town. Compared to Rupert, it was a city. <laughs> it was a little Rupert-type town, beautiful. Everybody knew each other. Everybody took care of each other. Everybody watched over each other. I once heard people say, I wouldn't want to live in a small town. Everybody knows what everybody else is doing. I'm like going, then maybe don't do something you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> maybe that's why you don't like it. It's not that they, know, they mind that people know your business. Their business isn't good. Maybe you need some accountability. Maybe you, should, you want to live in a place where nobody knows that you're sinning. Maybe that's not helpful either. Maybe you're doing exactly what the problem is. You don't want to be held accountable. 
The church is weak in America, and it's crumbling. I got a good news and bad news. Bad news is there's many, many, many pastors in this nation who are cowards, who will not stand up for truth amidst the turmoil, who will not stand up for God's truth no matter what comes, who will not be willing to risk whatever it takes to open their doors and say, we are essential, and if you need to worship, we're here. You don't have to come. You don't need to come. We're here, and we'll love on you, but if you want to be here, we're here. That's the bad news. They're not black-robed regiment. They're not people that would speak about what was going on, about what's going on, and then speak about God's justice and then take off the robes, grab a musket, take their men, and go fight. Are you That was pastors. So the bad news is the majority of those are gone in America. The good news are there's a remnant left over, and the real good news is one of them is right there. It's good. It's good to have a warrior as a leader because if he's not, he's not worthy of listening to. My goodness, I want a man up at the pulpit, a warrior, unafraid. What more horrific moniker could you die with than this? He died a coward. What could be worse? I was born in a little town in Indiana. But I was conceived in Germany. I know. You weren't coming to church expecting to hear about my parents' sex life. (laughs) Again, that's why I always get my money up front. (laughs) And cash the check. See, my father was, and I know, I look 25, but I'm a little bit older than some of you might think, and some of you might think, no, we pretty much knew you were pretty old. Um, But I'm a baby boomer, so I'm of that ilk. So my father went to the army and went to Germany in the late uh, 50s at the same time Elvis went to Germany. Uh, My father didn't get quite the accolades. I always did, don't know why, couldn't dance, I guess. But he went to Germany, and he was from the small farm town, so he hadn't been around a lot, right? He hasn't been around, this is 58, 58, 59, so he went there, and my mother, who was um, 18, maybe, of small farm community, her parents were farmers, my father's parents were farmers, okay, so she hadn't seen much, maybe the farthest she'd ever been is Kentucky, you know, just right below, whatever, she went to visit my dad in Germany, can you imagine what the flights must have been like going to Germany in 59? And you're 18, and you've never been out of your state. She went, I don't get it, but she did. She got to Germany to visit my father. And apparently, my parents couldn't find anything interesting to do in Germany. (laughs) You know, with the Bavarian Alps getting in the way of the view. And so apparently my, clearly, not apparently, Clearly, my parents took time to make me. So, even though I am from Indiana and an American citizen, technically, I'm German. (laughs) Which is probably why when I 
ate baby food as a child, though I would only take strained bratwurst. <laughs> and as I look at you people, it's obvious to me you're inferior. I took a risk and did a German joke in Idaho. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, it gives me a chance, though, to make a quick aside. I made a joke about you're inferior because I'm referencing Germany, which is the national socialist movement that created Nazism, one of the greatest evils that ever existed on earth that we had to help conquer and destroy. These were uh, those who believed in race, identity, and believed that certain races were superior based on Darwinism, by the way, and the idea that humans are a gradation of value, and they thought they were superior and they could wipe out others and they could create subhumans out of people they thought were less than themselves. We all know the story of the Holocaust and Auschwitz, and yet you made a funny little reference in Idaho, of all places, about it. Maybe it's inappropriate. No, it's not. You know why? I was, because the joke makes fun of something that's obviously absurd. That's what makes it work. That's what makes it funny. Is this the bouncer? Thank you so much. I have never seen that before. Only, only in Idaho does the guy come down and say, we've had enough. We've had enough. Um, we're, we're out. Um, we're just going to do a little rodeo now, I think. This is a little off, but it's not, and I'm going to get to the story, and then you'll understand all the pieces to the puzzle. Why do I say that? Why is it important that a comedian is allowed to make a Nazi joke in a church when it could be offensive? Do you want to know why? Because, number one, it assumes you're mature enough to get the joke the joke is I'm making fun of this concept so we laugh at it, not because we agree with it, because we don't. That's what the joke works. Number two, it deals with something that is so crucial, so important, so inherent in the human experience that even God gave it to us. Free speech. What? What you're saying? Oh, are you trying to say that God gave us the Constitution? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> now, is the Constitution of the United States of America a sacred document? Not in a theological, transcendent way. No. It's not holy. Is it sacred in the institution and the lineage of the DNA of the, mo of the most ethnically diverse, eclectic, country in human history that tried to do the impossible and make people from all over the world, from much older cultures than ours, come together and find a unity, and then they were the government, not the people, and after four years, those people who were the true government sitting out here could actually vote these folks out, and a new group would come in to represent you, and there wouldn't be a coup or a military overtake. we do it peacefully. This was never been done before. We did it. But let's put America down because it's so evil. It has achieved the impossible. 
It has done what no other culture to this day has done. Actual diversity. Is it perfect? No. Made horrible mistakes? Of course. Why? Well, because Americans are inherently evil. No, humans are. Let me make it real simple for you, my brothers and sisters. You show me the country that has never had a slave. Show me. Show me the country that has never had somebody racist towards another group. Show me that country that's never done it. Show me. Show me the country that's never put some group down over themselves. Show me that country that has always treated children or women or people of different behavior choices completely, equally, wonderfully. Never separated them or judged them or caused any kind of division. Show me that perfect country. I promise you as I sit here, I'll move there. I need to go to that place. It doesn't exist. Well, until we get to heaven. When my mother got pregnant, this is in the 50s, so I don't even think they wouldn't even, I don't think you could tell the gender at that time. They didn't have sonograms, all that stuff. Women would know this, right? You're a guy, you have no idea what's going on. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy's sitting here, he's on a work release program anyways, he doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> this dude, the pod boss sitting up here up front, said, I would have left, but I got the ankle bracelet on, I can't go anywhere. Uh, Okay. You're not allowed to laugh in church. Oh, you should be laughing all the times in church. It's such a beautiful place to laugh. God gave us the ability to experience joy. Everything God is, he gave to us. He said we're made in his image. So if you have a sense of humor, God had it first. Enjoy the funny while it's here. There's plenty of pain to go around. Funny. All right. So where am I going with this? And I'm all over the map because I only have so much time. When my mom got pregnant, she did a very horrible, evil thing. I got to be honest. I just got to expose her. My mother prayed to God. And she said these words. Lord, if you give me a son, I promise to dedicate his entire life to your service. Without asking me, <laughs> without waiting for me to pop out and get my thoughts, without confirming, is this okay? My mother went to God Almighty, said, you give me a son, he's yours. Let me tell you something, my friends. If you get pregnant, and you tell God Almighty that if you give me a son or a daughter, and I will give their life to you, he takes you seriously. <laughs> when you do that, it's like being made in the mafia. God uses you, and then he kills you. And this is where I am. 
How do I put all the pieces together? So as I moved into my life, to quickly synopsize my bio, and it's not of any interest to you other than where I'm trying to take this so it can apply to you. I knew I was gonna be in the entertainment business. I just, I knew it. I wanted to be an actor. My dad was, was in community theater. He had a small little band of himself in Indiana. He was not famous. It was just something he was into. So I worked around artists and I loved those folks. And I became a sleight of hand magician. I was an actual professional sleight of hand close-up magician in Southern California with some of the most famous magicians in the world. Some of you would know if you know that community. And I learned how to do these tricks. And then I got into comedy magic, you know, and, and, and when I, is this, are you guys a charismatic church? Kind of, or kind of, okay. I just wanted to make sure I said magic. Um, sleight of hand. Will that make you guys happy? Does that make it better for you guys? Illusion? Is that, oh no, that's somehow counterfeit of, of Satan's. Uh, just trick, tricks. Is that a, tricks? No, no, that means that you're being deceptive. You're being deceptive. Um, pretend. I don't know what to tell you. I actually performed at, a, at a, a restaurant in my little town, first time I ever had a gig, saw people from my church come to this table, and I thought, this is going to be great. I'm 18. I'm going to show them what I can do. Hey, would you like to see a, a magic trick? And my, I'll never forget this saintly woman's face. She said, you know, Brad, magic is of the devil. And I looked in the Bible and said, you know, I, that, the greatest trick that Satan has ever pulled off to destroy humanity was a card trick. Um, that's how he steals most souls is finding the ace of spades that's how he does it my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge we make ourselves look like idiots because we're concerned about a guy doing a card trick like that satanic anyways let me get back off my soapbox obviously I'm still wounded <laughs> but I was this professional guy and then I got into close uh, uh, comedy ma magic and then, that, then I became a comedian well anyways here's the, where the story goes as I performed there was a place that brought me in to churches in the 90s uh, it was called Clean Comedians so all they did was clean comedians I thought well this is perfect because I was in by this time I worked in comedy clubs in comedy clubs that's where I learned my craft I was a professional comedian I was a Christian I didn't use curse words I didn't do gr gratuitous sexual references because I believed that creativity was funnier than crude so I was going to show that I can compete at the highest levels of the performance art in the same world that they're in and not compromise my faith. That was what I thought Christians were supposed to do. So I went there and did that thing, okay? And then I'm getting called into the church. And I thought, this is easy. This is perfect. I know my people. I don't curse or anything, so I know I don't have to worry about it not fitting. But as I began to perform for my people and do comedy for them, because if you're a professional in a communication, then what you do is you see the kind of group you're with and you learn how to adapt and connect to them. So if you're working for plumbers all the time, you'd have plumber jokes, right? If you were doing stuff at you know, Amway, you'd have Amway jokes. So when I'm in the church, I would talk to my people at times 
times about inspirational things about my faith. And I, they're laughing, laughing, laughing. And then I'd speak of these moments like I've done today. And everybody would just get quiet and they'd look at me. And something inside of me said, this is different. Something is happening right now. And I don't understand it, but it's deeper. It's more important. And I've had plenty of laughs, my friends. I've been on television shows, movies. I've worked in all 50 states. I've had a lot of, I've had standing ovation. Everything you think you're shooting for as a comedian, I've had it. And then I would sit for a group of people like you, about this many even, and I would speak of comedy. They'd laugh, and it was wonderful. And then I'd say something about God, and they'd stop, and they'd think, and they'd listen, and they'd shake, and they'd get contemplative. And that's when I realized, and I remember thinking in that moment, I remember thinking, and I told my wife, this is who I am. This is who I am. 25 years ago, God Almighty called me to ministry. I told my wife, and my wife said, she sat there, and she's a godly woman. And she looked at me, and she said, no. Um, <laughs> I didn't sign up to be a pastor's wife, because it's hard. And I ran from it. And I started working at Promise Keepers in front of 10,000, 15,000 men. And they loved me to death. And I'd had, I had uh, wonderful men there who would mentor me and say, you know, you're, you're supposed to be a preacher. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just a comic. I'll throw in some God stuff, throw him a bone now and again. But no, no, I'm just a comedian. No, 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 no. You're supposed to do something. Nah, no, I don't want that moniker. Don't want to dumb it down. God, I don't want to dumb it down. Be a Christian comedian. He said, no, you're not dumbing it down. Why do you think I trained you in nightclubs? Here's what God Almighty told me 20-something years ago. I'm sending you to the church because in the future, my people are going to have to renew their minds as to the way they view and respect the way that I'm going to deliver my message in the new America because things are about to change little did I know what that meant? Hell is here. This is the, maybe, the single most existential threat to American tradition and values and original intent of the Constitution in our history other than maybe the Civil War, but even with this Civil War, it would have just simply been a secession, and there still would have been those in the North that would have kept the Constitution as is. We are at the precipice of losing this nation forever. And there's only one group of people that can fix that. Only one. Christians. So let me explain something to you. Didn't know I wasn't, like I said, I, I, I pray for God's prophet's anointing before I come on stage. You should just pray. I pray for favor. I hope people enjoy me. Then I say, God, I, I receive your anointing. I didn't, didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I told you my little story. He told me to be a prophet to the church. I'm not an evangelist. I'm to the people who come to church who need to understand the time for cost-free Christianity is over. The time to think you can come to church, go to Bible study, show up, have some coffee, do a Bible study now and again, show up to a special event, and that's your Christianity is over. 
The time for this. If you would, close your eyes. Bow your heads. Nobody's looking around. If you'd like to accept Jesus, raise your hand. But don't worry. Nobody's looking. Because we don't want to embarrass you. What? God Almighty created us and then lowered himself to become his creation and allow those pathetic creatures to kill him, kill him. Have you ever thought about that? God died. God died. But he's God, and he can resurrect himself. Holy smoke. And he said, now I've given you the kings of the kingdom. I don't believe in a God that to throw anybody into hell. Good. Believe in the Christian God. He throws no one into hell. He will get out of the way and allow you to walk in on your own, though. It's all up to you. That's not fair. I didn't ask to be born. If you are able to ask that question, too late. You're in the game. You're in the game. If you can contemplate whether God's fair or not, too late. You're in the game. I don't think it's fair that God should make me uh, accept him. He doesn't. I don't think it's fair that they throw somebody into hell. He's not. You're already going to hell. The moment you exist, the moment you're conceived, you're eternal and you're terminally ill. He throws no one into hell. He says, you're part of the lineage of a broken system of humans that I gave free speech to, free rights, free agency. They chose to disobey. I have to be consistent with my nature, so I have to place a justice upon that. I have to judge that or I'm not consistent with my nature, but I love you so much, I'll take the punishment that I created that I'll prepare myself to come back and then simply hand you the keys. You don't have to do anything. Just take the keys, unlock the door. I don't believe in you. That's on you then. I don't believe that's the way to heaven. That's on you then. But you're already going to hell. I've given you the way out. If you go there, the great horror of hell is eternity realizing you chose it. I have been called to tell my people. There's a new season in America. It's a good one. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's going to see Christianity unlike anything we've ever seen. I've been praying for a third great awakening for a long time and for us to return to a first century church model where every denomination, every Christian, every actual believer will actually work in unity. We have to do it. We've never done it in our history, ever, other than in the beginning. But we want to fight and clash. And we have got to be in one because we're going to really need each other in the future. Things are going to get rough. I ran from my call. Don't want to do it. And you can run from your call because every one of you were called too. 
I don't know what your calling is, but if you know God and you tell people his story, that's your only reason to exist. It's, it's, what's the meaning of life? Know God, tell people. That's it. How you do that is your profession, is your invocation, is, is your, your skill set, is, is, is your relationships, is how you affect people. But life is simple. Know God, tell people. That's it. Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? I sure do. Do you believe Jesus was God? I sure do. Is there a more important message in human history than that? No way. It's the greatest message there ever was. Did you tell anybody about that yesterday? No. Why would I? I might make him uncomfortable. Think of the things that the left tells us. Don't shame people. It's shameful to shame people. Don't shame people because then it might make them feel bad about themselves. You know why we feel bad about ourselves? Because we're in sin. You know what shame's supposed to do? Convict us. You know what conviction's supposed to do? Turn us to repentance. Think about that. When you are politically correct and sensitive to people's needs and feelings, then you are literally stealing the Holy Spirit's opportunity to convict somebody. You're literally loving them to hell. You fool! No more! Shallow Christianity! It's over! Get in or get out! Jesus even said, God even said, get hot, get cold, or I puke. He said that. He didn't use those words. He said, I spew you out of my mouth. Get hot, get cold. God takes his sacred covenant of his son dying and rising from the dead so seriously that he literally says, I'd rather you go to hell than to abuse and trivialize the sacrifice of my son. So here's the thing, folks. I ran and God said, no, there was a covenant made with your mother and me. You can run, but you can't hide. You wake up on the beach and whale vomit enough times. Guess I'm heading to Nineveh. You can't outrun your call. You'll pay for that. You have one too. I'm out of time, guys. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to speak again at the second service. Some of you want to stick around or come back. I know that would be ridiculous to go to two services on one Sunday when we can go to Denny's. I know it'd be ridiculous for me to give up another hour of my life. I know it'd be ridiculous to expect me to, you know, sacrifice some more time. And you don't have to. Maybe you have plans. What I can promise you is whatever I do in the next service is going to be kind of different than this one. What I'm going to do tonight when I perform my comedy is going to be comedy. And then you're going to get to see how God used me to communicate in an odd way, talking about free speech, talking about free liberties. Why? Because you politicize our faith? No. I talk about the culture because that's the meaning of Christianity. Redeem the culture. Talk about the things that people, I'm forbidden to hate people. I'm commanded to hate ideas that aren't God's. I want to hate people. Not allowed. I'm going to go out to my table afterwards. If you want to say hi, come say hi. I got DVDs that I sell that lift up God and country, tear down political correctness, which is cultural Marxism, which is the cancer roots of everything we're watching and happening right now. 
Critical race theory all comes from the Frankfurt School and that cultural Marxism. I might talk about that next service. You want to hear about it? Come on back. You want to get deeper in your faith? Come on back. You want to know more about what Christianity will be expected of in the future? Come on back. You want to be ready for a war like you can't imagine? Come on back. You want to be ready to fight to each other? Come on in. You want to be ready to watch this church become the fulcrum for awakening in this area? Come on back. We're expecting you to expect the impossible. That's what Christianity is, living the supernatural naturally. So I'm going to go because I'm at minus 309 in red, which means they're going to shoot me. <laughs> I have some people, some DVDs I will sell you. I also have kids that I represent from compassion, kids in poverty, because one of the absolute truths of Christianity says this. You're, if you want true, pure religion, take care of the widows and the orphans. It's, it's not a, a up for option. It's not something you're supposed to consider. not something you're supposed to pray about. I'm so tired when God is used as a scapegoat for not doing what you're called to do. Let me pray about if God wants me to help this kid out of poverty. Yeah, right. He's going to say no. Let me pray about if I should give to, to a, a pregnancy resource center in case uh, they're saving babies. Uh, uh, no, God's going to say, no, 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 no. Just keep letting your taxes go to Planned Parenthood. Come on! I'm in a part of the country that, thank God, a lot of you folks get what I'm saying. I don't really have to cross, right? I, I, I live in, you know, but that's not all of you. And some of you, I'm going to encourage you today. Go sponsor us. 38 bucks a month. You get a hot child, you can write them notes, write them back. This is a commandment. Go take care of the widow. You want to know you have pure religion? Here's what I'm getting at. Your Christianity of the original church was always seen by behavior. They, people literally couldn't believe what they were seeing, these Christians. They'd never seen anything like this. They would love their enemies. They'd take care of people that were evil to them. They'd never seen people such in community. They didn't accept Christ because of some great service or some smoke machine or a coffee bar. They saw people doing stuff they'd never seen before. That's what we have to become. So sponsoring a child isn't just some kind of gimmick. It's an expectation. I can't believe how many churches I've been to that Christians that never did that before. But that's a commandment. And this is a way to do it. Okay. If you'd like to hear more about what God's doing, and, and he must be doing it here, or I wouldn't be here. There's no accidents, only providence. Your pastor cares about you so much that he is always on his knees saying, God, what is next for us? I'm speaking of a corporate body of you guys. I'm not from this church. This church, when we talk about a venue, I am of this church. This is the body of Christ. So I'm going to defend pastors, and this gentleman I just met who's in uh, Montana, I'm going to defend pastors because it's one of the hardest, most difficult callings you can possibly have because it's filled with jerks. You guys. And me. And they have to negotiate people like you that are always complaining. The music's too loud. Next guy. You know, I can't hear the music. Next guy, we need a men's ministry. Next guy, oh, I don't have time to do that. Next guy, how come we don't have more donuts out there? Next guy, well, I'm not going to volunteer. That's the world they get. 
I get to be a prophet, do some damage, and then let, let him sweep up. Because that's his call. His call is to be kind and empathetic and walk the milk drinkers through it. That's what it says. Right, be careful about the milk drinkers. They're, they're, they're difficult. They're weak. They're immature. So watch over them. God tells us. He said, be nice to them. Be kind. They can't help it. They're not mature. God says that. Watch over them. Be careful with them. That's part of the sacrifice of being a Christian. Yes, they, they don't know any better. That's the beautiful empathy he tells us. But he also says, thank you, God, but just make sure you understand they're immature. They're babies. They shouldn't be there. He lets us know there's not an excuse. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't know how to apply your faith to the world, you're supposed to be ashamed. We can learn more about that. I can teach more about that, I think, in the next session where I'll actually get to some other areas. But this is the first session. This is what God asked me to give you today. So I want to say thank you for being my brothers and sisters. Thank you for coming early. Thank you for praying. Thank you for caring about our faith. Thank you for caring about this church. Thank you for caring about Idaho. Thank you for caring about America. And thank you for caring about God. The battle is just begun, folks. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.